Welcome into the Pokes Report Podcast. Zach Lancaster here alongside Brian Murphy. Well, alongside is a relative term. Take it with a grain of salt. We're uh, about an hour and a half apart, but it's been a crazy busy week for both of us. So we're we're doing Zoom again. But hey, uh, that's, that's one thing the pandemic brought us, the ability to do things remotely. And that's what we're doing tonight. That's exactly right. How are you today? Mm. You know, I'm good. Um, yesterday was crazy. We had our uh, had our final ultrasound, and we were surprised with the uh, 4D imaging. So we got to we got to see our little boy. That was trippy. Yeah, that's cool, man. Wild. Uh, so didn't sleep all that well, you know. And then work was pretty crazy. And uh, not that I didn't sleep well, but you know, it was just a uh, lot, a lot, lot to think about. You know, couldn't couldn't stop thinking about it. And and then uh, work was it was a good day at work, you know. But it's it's busy. You know, it's it's the middle of the week. It's kind of a weird week. People are coming back from fall break. Some people are going on fall break. And, yeah, so uh, – and it's a little late. It is. So, yeah, that that is a weird deal because down here in, in Yukon, uh, Mustang was on fall break last week. Mm-hmm. Yukon's on fall break this week. It's weird. So. Every everyone's you know. like in vacation mode, but not vacation mode, <laughs> and right. so we're. I'm just trying to get adjusted to it. All the weather's been really nice, and we're recording a little bit later tonight than we normally do. Um, but that's you know that's life, and we've that we, is life. we certainly have a, a an interesting episode to record here because, well, I think that uh, a game that combined for what 1,054 total yards <laughs> is. <laughs> is not one that I expected to be talking about between Oklahoma State and, and Kansas. Uh, I'll, I'm going to start off by giving Kansas a lot of credit. I think what Leipold has done with that program is nothing short of miraculous based on how abysmal KU football has been uh, since their their Orange Bowl run back in, what, 07, 08, whenever that was. And so I, I, I got to give KU a lot of credit. They were a really good football team. And I think that I think they're going to continue to get better. And I, I honestly don't know. And I'll get your opinion on this, Brian. I don't know if I could have asked for a better football game than what we got. And, and let me let me rephrase that. I don't know if we could have got a more entertaining football game than it, what we saw on Friday. Or excuse me, it Saturday. Was def- yeah, it was definitely that um, to go up big and then down big and then back fight all the way back. You know, we we joked about a couple of weeks ago. We joked about it, didn't have that in the bingo card. Well, whenever we were up fourteen nothing, man, you were rolling. I mean, felt comfortable, it, huh? There was, yeah, there was nothing you could do wrong. There was, I mean, I'm not gonna say they were doing, you know, nothing they couldn't do right, but you were just rolling. You were doing whatever you wanted to do. Casey Dunn was being innovative, and it's kind of a joke that we have over in the section two twenty four that you're like, well. All right, he's he's run out of tricks, so let's see what we can do with the vanilla offense. But he didn't he didn't stick with that. Like he didn't stick in just vanilla offense. You 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 saw a lot of and Gundy has talked about the the gap scheme running that we're gonna do that they worked on all offseason and, and that it's gonna go back to some of the I think he even said some of the Larry Fedora stuff. It's gonna be some of the old stuff. Well, we saw the um oh my goodness. I had the, not the pistol, but the it's the pistol where you got the where you got the running back behind, and then you got the two on the side of him. Yeah, yeah. holy cow! Dana Holgerson brought it in. Anyways, uh, it's what they came up with. Holgerson, holy cow! It's gonna hit me at like three thirty in the morning. What that's called, but 
Um, I'm looking forward to waking up at five to a text from you. I will 100% send that. And you know that there's a listener right going, you idiot, it's called it. I cannot believe that, that I just forgot that because I said it the entire game. Hey, we brought that back. But um, So they brought back some old stuff that worked. I mean, by golly, what do you – who would have thought that they that they bring stuff back that works and and Ollie had a national national recognition type week and that was man that was fun to watch. So I typed out this tweet maybe four or five times and every time I and it was the same tweet there was no variation to it uh, and every time every time <laughs> I typed it out face. yeah every every time I typed it out and I was fixing to hit publish. Um, I caught myself because I didn't want to come across as crass or, you know, kind of kind of rude or hateful or anything like that. But uh, Jim Nagy of the of the Reese Senior Bowl sent out a tweet of their National Player of the Week. And honestly, at this point, I can't even remember who it was. But the Reese Senior and, and to be fair, it's the Senior Bowl. So Ollie Gordon, not eligible for the senior bowl. That was another one of my, one of my hangups. He's not a third year player or a senior or anything like Mm -hmm. that, but it was the national player of the week. And he quote tweeted the senior bowl tweet saying, Hey, is there, you know, this is who we have. Uh, Who do you feel it could have or should have been? And I'm thinking, man, Ollie Gordon, when you look at what he did offensive, when you look at it in the run game, when you look at what he did in the passing game, um, he's finally, and I don't, I don't want to say that as like, man, he's kind of struggled up to this point, but it seems like Ollie is finally starting to hit his rhythm. You know, he's finally starting to hit that stride. He's and, and I'll go back to, you know, Monday Mike's availability and, and something that has, has kind of been talked about since the middle of fall camp and as was certainly relevant and, and, what week one, week two, week three, week four, week five was the physicality of practices. I think you can look mm-hmm. at the offense. I think you can look at the offensive line. I think you can look at receivers and running backs and certainly on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know if there's maybe maybe the punter and the kicker, I think are the two positions you can look at and say that they were not impacted by the physica- the physicality or lack thereof during fall camp and the handful of, of weeks leading up to the last couple of weeks. And I don't, I don't, I can't blame Mike and I can't fault Mike because let's be honest, go back to 2022 and you look at how completely decimated that team was on both sides of the ball. When it comes to injuries, you're talking and and not just in the middle of games, but you know, you've got you've got practice injuries. You've got guys that are that are dropping out for the year with injuries after a practice. You know, an injury sustained in practice, and it's. I mean, I I can't. I'm not that old. I'm 32 years old, but I can't remember too many teams over the years that you can look at. You know, more than half of the two deep roster, more than half of the scholarship players, not even the two deep roster, but more than half of the scholarship players on a roster being injured at some point for a significant period of time. So I don't fault Mike and the the coaching staff for going into this year saying, hey, listen, maybe we don't need to be as physical. These guys have, have played tackle football their whole lives. And maybe maybe we don't need to be as physical. Let's let's try to let's try to limit injuries. Well what have we seen since the Iowa State game? 
you know, obviously Alan Bowman is the starting quarterback and, and the offense has mm-hmm. been more comfortable with him week in and week out. But you start to see that offensive line be, start to be a little bit more physical. Now, you can attribute some of the success of the, the offensive line to schemes, you know, but they're, they're more physical. They're not – and I don't want to say that they were afraid, but they're like, all right, we, you know, we can go out there and we can really knock some heads. You can see these running backs are playing with a stronger, more physical style. You, the receivers aren't afraid to take a hit across the middle. You start to see, you know, you start to see some of those guys start to feel it a little bit. The defense, I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to the defense, and I'm going to ask you a question right now, and I want you to be thinking about it in the back of your mind when we get to that defensive portion of the podcast is which freshman next week is going to haul in an interception. So, uh, I've so, got a great answer. So get that. back to me with that Whenever we in get a couple there. of minutes. But you can see that this team is is really starting to click. It's really starting, in, and there's still a lot of season left. Um, but you can tell that this team is really starting to find its rhythm. It's starting to click a little bit. And I, I think you can contribute, not all of it, but I certainly think there's some credence into saying, well, they're physical during the week. They're physical on game days. By the way, it's called the Diamond, the Diamond Pistol. There you go. I was going to say like the 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 Dana Holgerson uh, wing, the, like the Red Bull wing tea. The <laughs> Red Bull gives you wing tea. That that you know, if NIL would have been a thing back then, <laughs> he could have done well with that. Yeah. No. So, anyways, the Diamond, but uh, but we were very successful with that all the way back. Uh, I mean, guys, all the way back, way past Justice Hill. Uh, but that was Justice Hill was amazing. No question. It. But. Um, yeah, it's the the offensive line and all the everything that you just talked about goes back to consistency. It's consistency during the game. Same guys are out on the field. Consistency in practice. Those are the guys getting the reps. And going from practice to the next game, you just build on it. You just keep building on it and keep getting more consistent. And I think that that's what we've that's what we've seen. And we always hear that with the defensive coordinators. Well, it takes the time takes a little bit of time for these guys to get their their system. Well, while they're if they're consistent and you keep putting the same guys out there, Gundy talked about, man, we're, you know, it's it's nerve-wracking to watch a young secondary right now, but we just went through that in the 2021 season with a very veteran secondary. It works out well for you when after they have a bunch of reps. Um you know, so I I think that that's Going forward, the longer that you have Alan Bowman running eighty percent of the snaps in practice, no question. The more cons- the more consistent this offense continues to get. The more you're handing off to the same running back, man. Ollie Gordon, you know the the number one thing right now is keep Ollie keep Ollie healthy. Yeah. I mean that's what that's what every Cowboy prayer should be every night. God just heal 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 uh, Ollie Gordon just a little more from practice today, so he's fresh on Saturday. Because yeah, he's he's he is running. Uh, you remember whenever Chris Carson came back from thumb injury and just figured it was like, dude, that TCU whoa, game. Dude. Well, yeah, but I mean, it was just like, but then from then on, yeah, it was just who, who is this guy? Yeah, we that's what Ollie Gordon is running like right now. Just I'm not gonna say a man possessed because I'm not, you know, not not going down that route. But he he is running like everything kind of we hoped he would be. Well, from, and and from, and. You guys finding him. And, and going on that, I, I think that, I mean, it's only appropriate, right? I mean, he's he's a true sophomore. He's played, what, less than, at this point, less than 20 games. 
you know, and, and now that, you know, I, I, I still, I'll, I think I'll always go back to the quote he gave us in spring football when he was asked about, you know, what, what's the main difference between freshman year, like the end of last year and now into spring football. And he was like, well, it's like I studied for a test, you know, it's you're, you're a freshman and you don't, you, you think, you know, you know, like you learned in high school and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but you learn the stuff in high school and you hear about it, but you don't really grasp it just yet. And then you go into your freshman year and it's like, well, that kind of sounds familiar. You know, Ollie had some moments like he was an incredible running back in high school. And then you take a leap up Oklahoma state and the big 12 and power five football is drastically different. You know, Euless Trinity plays at a high level in Texas and Texas is at a much higher level than almost anywhere else, but there's still a pretty big jump up from Euless Trinity to power five, big 12 oh, football. Yeah. No doubt. And he had some moments that, that flash. I always, I always love those people that ask, okay, could the, could the worst, could the best college team beat the worst NFL team? Hell no. And, yeah, and you know, if you say the best college team probably has what six sixty percent, fifty percent guys that are going to go to the NFL, maybe. I think, and I think that's pushing it because you look that, at that may be so forty percent. Well, you, you know can... how many the worst NFL team has? It's got a hundred percent guys that, that made it to the NFL. What was it? Uh, Twenty nineteen high school to college. Twenty nineteen LSU was that? What was that yeah. Joe Burrow team? Twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen the. Right. I mean, there's that was an incredible football team. That that team mm-hmm. did things that no college football team has done in a while, like almost ever. And and I got news for you. I, I don't think that they could have beat the Cleveland Browns, you know, I, or the Miami Dolphins at the time or anything like that. And, right. And so you go back to last year, and, and there, were, there were flashes for Ollie. You know, there were moments mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, man, he's he is a half second. He is a half step. You know, he is a half spin from breaking a massive tackle. You know, he's he's more physical now. He's a little bit quicker than he was in terms of, uh, obviously, speed, but in terms of figuring it out and having it click a little bit more. And, and honestly, this upcoming week at West Virginia, he's going to be a little bit sharper. He's going to – there's going to be a play where if he bounces it out to the left, you know, instead of going – you know, just inside the tackle where all the bodies are, he's going to say, oh, man, that's that happened to KU last week. Okay, I'm going to bounce it out, you know, and all of a sudden, and instead of a two-yard pickup or a, or a no gain, he's going to have six, seven, eight, nine yards, or he's going to break one. And so Ollie is, you know, that's that's the big thing, keeping him healthy. But I will say, and this is something that you've talked about, I'm, I'm digging what I saw from Jaden Nixon on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Ollie is the guy, but – Jaden is is a much different and a much better runner than he was last year, and, and I think that you'll continue to see that obviously throughout the season. Yeah. So listening to uh, Coach Cundy radio show, uh, Dave Hunziker said that he was to, I'm giving him all the credit. He's the one who did all the research here. But since 2013, so excluding the 2020 season, which was shortened, so you're not going to get probably to a thousand yard back. But when Oklahoma State has a 1,000 yard rusher for the for the whole season if you take all those right all the records they are 40 and 14 when we don't we're 31 and 21 so that it just goes back to that consistency knowing who your back is knowing who your guys are that are toting the rock throwing the rock knowing where they are how they run how they gel with the offense 
it helps the team and and it has since 2013 for a long time yeah uh, but yeah I, I think when you look at that offense and and Mike has always wanted to run the ball but when you go back the the last handful of years or so the the offensive line has underperformed and there's been injuries and and you know obviously Chuba was ridiculous in in uh, what 2019. 2018, 2019, and, whenever that was, and, and had a had a ridiculously good game for the Panthers this last week. Yeah, he did. You know, and and then 2020 was injury and weird, and COVID was strange, and yeah. and then 21, uh-huh. Jalen Warren, and you look at what they did. I'm not I'm not going to compare Jalen to to Ollie because they're two totally different styles, but they're also about four years apart when when they were when he Ollie was here and and when Jalen was here, so they're totally different. I think the, the, the better Ollie gets, the more confident Ollie gets, especially with Allen back there at quarterback. You're, you're seeing, you're seeing a, the, the response times of the receivers and the reaction times of the receivers and, and Allen. I, I think that this offense is, is clicking a little bit more than they were the previous week, and I think West Virginia, you're going to see the same thing. I, I think you'll see this continue to see this offense start to click, and, and I don't know if – I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if I can sit here and say that this offense is going to put up, you know, like Allen's going to go out there and throw for 3,000, 4,000 yards, and this offense is going to average 450 to 550 yards a game. And, you know, the run game's going to be crazy, and they're going to start putting up, you know, 39, 30, you know, 38, 45 points a game or anything like that. But this does, this offense, it's, it is refreshing to see. And, and I think – Obviously, last year, the, the injuries and the transfers, everything seemed super dark and super dream. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start off the year and you're running three quarterbacks trying to figure everything out. Things aren't as bad as we thought they were. And then obviously, when you see the, when you see the play on the field and the, the, the defense really starts to pick it up, and obviously we'll, we'll get into that and we'll talk about the, the, the pretty big touchdown passes from, from Jason Bean, but... I, I like the I like the way this team is starting to click and starting to gel, and I think it's coming at the right time. Yeah, no doubt. And and you talked about you know didn't see us uh, having a thousand yard game right there in front of us. Our next opponent had a five hundred and forty five yard game. That was a so weird it game. It was a weird game. Uh, Stephon Johnson with that tip around pass as time expires to win it. Uh, with I mean, with twelve seconds left. West Virginia scores a 50-yard bomb. You've to go up 39-35. You've got that in the bag. You know you're you're firing the the people on the airplane are prepping the music. All right, we're gonna have a good flight home. Twelve seconds later, Houston Dana Olgerson's throwing a bomb of his own from 49 yards, and um, Stephon Johnson gets is the one who gets the uh, gets the tips and and catches it, but. Um, you know, if we're kind of well, before we transition to defense, I do want to say Rashad Owens has, stepping up in the Deshaun Stribling role. It, Rashad Owens has been everything that we hoped Deshaun Stribling was going to be. Yeah, and that's that's been really cool to see and a, a little bit unexpected. I mean, I think we we had high hopes for Jaden Bray, we had high hopes for Brennan Presley. I mean, who is still running six miles a game. Um, you know, out there in pre-snap and then routes and then runs and, and kick returns. I mean, the guy's doing everything. He's, he's, 
the 2023 version of Josh Stewart, but, um, you know, seeing Deshaun Strib or seeing, uh, Rashad Owens step in into that role has been really cool. Yeah. And that's something we've been waiting on. You know, you go back to, uh, mm-hmm. 21 and 22 and, and driving down to big 12 media days with Robert. And, and that was some of the discussions that we had with various media members is like, man, one of, one of, one of my sleeper receivers and it hasn't happened, but one of the, mm-hmm. one of the sleeper receivers going into the year, watch him. He could be sneaky. Good. He's fast. He's physical. He has good hands. Rashad Owens, yeah. Rashad Owens, Rashad. Yeah. And, and he's finally getting that chance. And, and I think that's just something that, you know, Oklahoma State is always going to have a receiver that, that really explodes onto the scene, and they haven't quite had that Bolitnikoff-esque um, receiver mm-hmm. in the past couple of years. But when you when you look at the really good, solid receivers, guys like uh, Marcel Aitman and, and Chris Lacey and some of the bigger-bodied receivers, it, it's about their third, fourth year. You know, I think Rashad's a redshirt junior now, I, th- I think is what mm-hmm. that is. And and so, Casey Dunn, I mean, people have your opinion about the way he runs offense or anything like that, but that man is is a, a miracle worker. He is a magician when it comes to receivers. And, and if you ever got the chance to stand on the sideline during a summer workout or a spring workout or, or a fall camp or a regular practice – Casey Dunn is not enjoyable to be around because he is just so intense and he's so good. Like, I don't want to say that he's like overly hard on his receivers, but I don't, I don't think there's a coach on that, on that staff that is as demanding of his players. And, and I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that because I, I don't think the coaches ask a lot of their players, but Casey Dunn asks more than most coaches are going to ask of his players and your feet on on like the jugs machine, your feet have to be in a certain position in a certain angle. And if they're not, you're going to drop a pass and you're going to go to the back of the line and, and you're going to do it. And your hands are going to be in the right spot and your toes are going to be in the right spot and your head and everything. And if it's not, you're going to go back and you're going to redo it and you're going to continue to redo it. And uh, certainly incredibly well-disciplined receivers. And, and we're finally starting to see that out of Rashad Owens. And I'm, I'm with you. I, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And then switching over to the defense, Let's let's just start off and talk about the missile. Yeah, let's do it. In ending that game, dropping chasing down Jason Bean, who who was pure scramble mode at that point, and he hunted him down, put him on his back. Dude is just having an unbelievable year. I mean, he he is having the Malcolm Rodriguez year. He's got fifty. He has fifty four total tackles. Kendall Daniels uh, second with forty six. But the missile with eight tackles for loss leads the team with eight tackles for loss. Four sacks leads the team there. I mean, the, he's having a phenomenal year. Yeah, and that's something that that I think he still would have been this good. But I think the fact that that you're starting to see this team get really physical in practice, you know, I, mm-hmm. I you can go back to and there were moments in the Iowa State game, but you go back through the first three four games of the season and you saw a lot of apprehension on the defensive side of the ball. You know, you, you saw a lot of, you know, like shoestring tackles and, and just trying to strip the ball away and a lot of arm tackles and just trying to, like, almost sling people to the ground. And and I'm not saying that they didn't know how to tackle or that they forgot how to tackle. But when you're not going to the ground and you're not physical in practice, your mind starts to, okay, well, I'm just going to I'm gonna hit this guy, but I'm not going to take him down. I'm going to kind of sling him around a little bit and try to get him out of bounds or try to wrestle the ball away from him. Iowa State, you saw you saw flashes of of the defense start to get physical, 
and then you go forward a couple of weeks, and, and this is a very physical defense. I don't think it's going to be the most physical defense we see, and, and there's going to be some moments where you know I, I think teams ha- have a blueprint of what to do on offense now. You know, slip a slip a tight end down there by the tackle, and well, you just got to line him up halfway illegally, but still somewhat legally. Sure, and and, that, then, and that's the know, thing. If they is just if, change their offense, then yeah, that's guys, that's the thing. Like, us. if you can get away with it, I mean, if the Big Twelve is not calling it, and and they might moving forward, but so far, it you can get away with it, and and I think that 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 is that is a bit of a. That is a bit of a head scratcher when you when you talk about the coverage at times for for this defense and and they've done really well. I don't want to say it's like all or nothing on the blitz or you know all or nothing on trying to stop the run or the quarterback or whatever. But there were some moments in that in that Kansas game this past weekend where you're thinking, all right, well, they knew that Kansas had a pretty pretty nasty one two punch there at running back and and maybe they didn't sell out to stop the run but they kind of forgot the back end and and Jason Bean has a pretty good arm and it it burned him what five times five times yeah i mean but according to according to Gundy and Brian Nardo in his post game they did sell out to stop the run and and good, i thought he had a good reason for that is at any time and and it's kind of what we said about Kansas and Kansas State, you can't get behind on a team like that because they can just pound it out on you. Well, OSU took away the ability for Kansas to do it. Now, credit to Kansas, just like you said, credit to Kansas for being able to sling the ball downfield. Yeah. Because if they couldn't, if they couldn't do that, it would have been it would have been a lopsided in our favor. But they they did, but then go back credit to Brian Nardo. He didn't, he didn't panic. He didn't change up his, he didn't go, okay, guys, we can't no no more stopping the run because Devin Neal would have, would have crushed us and, and they would have just run away with the game. They kept it. They kept it manageable by, I'm sure there were little adjustments on, on coverage to give, um, to give Jason Bean something else to, to look at rather than just, Oh, they're not covering the tight end. Here we go. Well, that it, has to be one of the weirdest throws, by the way. When a dude in a stadium full of sixty thousand people is forty yards wide open, that was that insane. Has to be a weird throw. That was insane. Um, well, and and you could see the adjustments, right? And it started in the third quarter. So mm-hmm. K- Kansas uh, first punt or first drive is a punt, and then they go touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Uh, that third one was a little difficult to play. Seventy-two yards, forty-four seconds. And then they go punt, punt, touchdown, and then you get the half, and then they come out and they score a touchdown. Uh, eight plays, 75 yards, almost four minutes. That's impressive, right? Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. if you look at the last five, interception, yep. interception, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, and then you get the sack to end the game. But what's impressive is if you look at their scoring drives, it's five plays, 75 yards, two minutes. Nine plays, 75 yards, four and a half minutes. Two plays, 72 yards, 44, uh, 44 seconds off the clock. Five plays, 75 yards, almost two minutes off the clock. And then that last scoring drive was eight plays, 75 yards, almost four minutes. You look at the last five, and they went seven plays for 55 yards and almost four minutes. And then it goes to interception of three plays, one yard, less than one minute. Turnover on downs was six plays, only 23 yards, more than three minutes off the clock, but then that last one turnover on downs was four plays, nine yards, and 36 seconds off the clock. 
So the defense, mm-hmm. they started to figure it out late. Now, Jason Bean wasn't going to he wasn't going to kill you through the air the whole game. There's going to be adjustments made, but you're you're seeing those in-game adjustments and I think that and and I'm going to I'm going to go back to it. I I know that, you know, I get some grief from Tom every uh, every now and then about, you know, subtle things like this, but confidence I think it's not everything, but confidence especially with kids that are 18 to 24 years old is everything. And if this team mm-hmm. is if this team is connecting and they're clicking and they're physical on both sides of the ball and and you're starting to see progress and you're starting to see success in the run game and in the pass game and the defense isn't giving up as many big plays knock on wood. I know that that's kind of tongue in cheek with the big plays they gave up on Saturday, but they're starting to make the stops. They're starting you know you see the you're starting to see the turnovers that you didn't see last year. They're starting to, they're starting to get a little bit of swagger and I think as the game goes on you get a you get an interception and then all of a sudden the next time out boom you get another interception and then a turnover on downs and then a turnover on downs and Kansas gets desperate and Oklahoma State gets confident and and I think that I, I think confidence plays a big role in this team now they are talented and and that plays a lot into it and, and scheme and coaching and stuff like that but this this team has to play with swagger in order to be successful and we've seen that since the Kansas State game and it's interesting, you know, they, they don't count turnover on downs technically as a turnover, but that is 100% what it is. You you stopped the other team right there, and you get the ball where they had it. Yeah. And it created it created some shorter fields for us. You know, they, they like to talk about the hidden yards and, the, and the, you know, the where you – where your team starts with the football versus where the other team starts with the football and how many possessions there were and, you know, kind of that – if it adds up to a hundred, then that's basically a score for you. Um, and, and there's a lot of data that, that backs that up. And, and whenever you see one team had 554 yards, the other team had 500, you kind of think, well, there, there wasn't any of that in there, but there absolutely was. And I think that confidence builds also, even though you're down and they're torching you on the back end, you know, over the top for all these passing yards, but your coaches are still saying, continue to stop the run, continue to stop the run, and we'll come back. Well, they, whenever they hold it, you hold a team that averaged over 200 yards per game to only 90. Yeah. Yeah, by the fourth quarter, you're going, yeah, this game plan works. Stay with it. Stay with it. And, uh, you know, and then you've got a Colin Oliver who can, uh, who can, uh, who can disrupt, as we know, rushing the quarterback, but then has pass deflections at the end, not rushing the quarterback. Well, there was one of them he was in the backfield, but uh, the other one he was he dropped back to a linebacker and almost had him a pick. So, do you um, think uh, do you think coaches watch his film every week and they 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 kind of do a little bit of side? It's just like it's just not fair that he gets a little better each week and he's doing stuff now <laughs> like deflecting passes and and dropping into coverage that that he couldn't do before and and I'll. In saying that, Zach still says you need to rush the quarterback every single play. Colin, oh, Co- Colin, if if they need him in coverage, Dude. like like two yards, three yards off the line, kind of you know, and and it's kind of like he, Colin's pass. And this isn't a knock on Colin. This is just I know what his strength is, and it's rushing the quarterback. The coaches yeah. need to coach him like it. You have a three Mississippi coverage rule. You're in coverage for three Mississippis, and then you rush, and then and rush. then everything else. You you're, drop back. 
Yeah, everything else you're rushing. So, so my my freshman pick to click here is going to be one. DJ McKinney. I know, I know that he's a starter or he plays quite a bit, but he's the freshman. He doesn't have a pick yet. Uh, I I love watching him. I think the dude plays so hard, and and he's gonna he's so talented. Just the he's that prototypical. The longer he stays in, the better he continues to get. And I think somebody Corey Black is kind of getting that. Don't throw to that side uh, a little bit. And so they're going to pick on, they're going to pick on the freshman DJ McKinney. And I think he gets him a, I think he gets him one. I like that. I, I'm okay with that. You know, and, and I think. I know that your question was a little more to who have we never heard of. No, no, no. It was. Start playing. No, it was, it was what, what freshman is going to have an interception yeah. this week. Um, yeah. and not necessarily, you know, who have, who have we not heard from? Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I like that. I think you could see. I think you could see something like that. I like the way DJ's been playing. I, I, he's really coming along, and and that's you know, redshirt sophomore. That's kind of what we're seeing from from this recruiting class. You know, those mm-hmm. those are the guys that when you go back the last couple of weeks, those are the players that were a part of that highly rated recruiting class that everyone raved over. Well, you can't you can't rave over a recruiting class and rant about how. Oh my God! Would you look at the talent that they're bringing in, especially on the de- defensive side of the ball. What, what this is insane! And then you go to 2022, and all of a sudden, these coaches have no idea what the hell they're doing. They don't know how to recruit. They don't know how to develop. Well, they do. It's just when you lose 50 plus players to injury, it doesn't matter what recruiting you do. Everyone's gonna the the, the roster's decimated. The morale's decimated. They know the season is basically over. They're just trying to fight to get a bowl game. Uh, and you're starting to see the the fruits of that recruiting class, right? DJ McKinney is has played really well. Uh, Dylan Smith, obviously, and and I, the list kind of goes on and on and on. And I'm gonna go. I, I think it'll. I'm I, I'm obviously stretching, and this is just kind of a fun segment. But we're starting to see more and more. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, number 87 on that defensive oh, side yeah. of the ball is six three, two hundred and fifty four pound redshirt freshman. I I think. Uh, I think I'm going to go way out on a limb here and and kind of throw a topsy turvy <laughs> into the mix and say uh, Deshaun Brown gets one. He kind of he's like kind of swats one he, down and, and scoops it in yeah. and there you go. He, well, as I say, he he got close. He's tipping he's tipping the ball. So you know you the the um, Dylan Smith was it Dylan Smith interception uh, this week yeah. that, that he he tipped it. Deshaun Brown tipped it and got back there. The other kid from. Um, from PC North, ninety-five. He's getting he's getting in there a lot. Jaleel Johnson is going to be a nightmare Johnson, in the next yeah. couple of years. Uh, any final thoughts before we uh, take a look at the Big Twelve this weekend? No, I think that uh, there's there's not a lot that you know about Garrett Green. Yes, he he played against his West Virginia's uh, run through kind of their playmakers real quick. I think um, that's important. Well, I think that Garrett Green, you just don't know a ton about. He only started a game or two last year. I know it was I know it was against us, and he beat us. But there was a lot of us beating ourselves at that point in the year last year. Uh, C.J. Donald. So Garrett Green, I think, is along that Iowa State Becht mold. He he probably runs more than Beck does. I think you're going to have to commit a guy to uh, to a guy or two. To stop to keeping him in the pocket to stopping him he's he's not the greatest thrower um, but that hasn't you know, stopped backups against Oklahoma State before it really hasn't however 
I do believe he, yeah, he he was the starter to start the year, right? Not Nico. I don't even know how to say Nico's last name. Martial? I don't know. But I'm pretty sure he won the starter. I'm pretty sure it was Garrett Green. So, uh, C.J. Donaldson's their, their number one running back. Got about 300 yards rushing, three touchdowns. Jalen Anderson behind him. This offense is, I mean, yeah, they just put up 500 yards. It's It's not something that is meant to scare other teams it's a balanced attack they're gonna neil brown's gonna try to beat you being a little balanced on offense he's gonna try to beat you kind of being boring he's gonna try to be a little balanced on offense gonna try to stop you on defense we'll see what happens well work very well last year it's working better this year i mean it's kind of a it's kind of a weird team it is and and that's where you know i'll I'll give him a lot of credit you know I, i think a lot of team or a lot of a lot of people are eating a lot of crow this year uh, now there's we're only six games in. You know this is game seven, and but I'll, I'll give West Virginia a lot of credit. I think Neil Brown has saved his job this year, especially if they make a bowl game. You know now if they if they get six wins and all of a sudden they lose out, you know then then I think it's going to be a little iffy. But uh, I, I think Neil has, has saved his job this year, and and I, I he'll he's obviously going to try. Uh, he'll have one more uh, one more step this upcoming weekend to try to save it, but. Uh, let's start with uh, UCF at Oklahoma. I think that's kind of unfair. Do we really even need to talk about it? <laughs> uh, you know, but hey, go Golden Knights. That's, yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Baylor at Cincinnati. It's an 11 a.m. kick on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, since he is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, that's a, a two-and-four matchup right there. Woof. Yeah, it is. Uh, Cincinnati may be favored by three-and-a-half, but I'm going to take the road team. That's going to be the same thing that I'm going to take in the Oklahoma State-West Virginia game. I'm going to take the road team, who is also a three-and-a-half-point. Well, how, how about this one? Texas Tech at BYU. It's a 6 o'clock game on FS1. Tech is three-point favorites. I, I got to say, I'm kind of digging the Cougs in this one. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think uh, I think that the Cougars get Texas Tech. I Texas Tech's another weird team. We don't play them, do we? Nope, no Texas teams. That's a except what a Houston. Weird um, who? Man, you know Dane Holgerson is amped. I bet he's. I bet he's drinking a Red Bull right now, watching film. He probably shouldn't uh, be though, because that was one of the great scheduling. One of the great scheduling things that the Big Twelve did this year. Houston has wanted Texas to come to them forever. Texas said, "Uh, no." We're not ever going to Houston until the Big 12 said, yes, yes, you are going to Houston. In your final year in the Big 12, you do have to go to Houston. So You think uh, that, uh, you think Texas is going to take the buses down there? Probably. Why if I were the, if I were the Big 12, I'd put a flying restriction on Texas to make them take buses. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that'd, that'd be the quickest up and down ever, Austin to Houston. And maybe there is a flight that does that, but yeah, it's the, the it's Austin. the quickest up and down ever. Right, right out of Austin. Um, I feel bad for Houston, that one. It, Texas is 23.5 points, and um, yeah, I think, I would, I, I think I'd be comfortable taking the over for Texas there. Uh, Oklahoma State, West Virginia. It's a 230 yeah. kick on ESPN. Oklahoma State is three and a half point dogs. I think that'll change a little bit. I think it'll get a little bit closer the closer we get to game time, but score predictions. Yeah, uh, I think Oklahoma State wins 27-21. Yeah, you think it'll be think it'll be nice and I'm going back nice with, I'm going back with the 27. Yeah, I, I think it is. I think both teams kind of feel each other out here for a minute. I don't think Casey Dunn gets as 
trick play happy on the road. I mean, we'll see, but I don't think he does. And so I think that uh, that has led to our getting, having other teams on their heels. And so I, I am looking for another big day for Ollie Gordon, though. I wouldn't be shocked to see a backup running back get a touchdown, though. Yeah, I think that's, that's I think that's fair. That's my wild prediction for the for this um, game. A backup running back gets a touchdown. I think West Virginia is tired of losing a tired of losing to Oklahoma State in Morgantown. Uh, I know that I know that they beat Oklahoma State last year, but I, I know West Virginia is tired of getting beat by Oklahoma State and Neil Brown. If this is another another feather and I keep my job cap this year, Oklahoma State is. I think they received one vote in the in the AP I poll. Saw that. Yeah. I'm not for I'm 20, not putting any credence on that, but I guarantee you that that West Virginia is looking at this and saying, "Hey, listen, this is a team that struggled to start the year, and they're a bunch of frauds. They beat a couple of struggling teams, and and Kansas, yeah, number twenty three in the country, uh, but we're we're better than that. Look at what we did, you know, in the last couple of weeks, and this is a team that." That, that we need to beat at home. And, and I think that when you look at the last three weeks for Oklahoma State, uh, or let me rephrase that, the last three game weeks for Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. I think this team is really starting to feel it. I'm not I'm not going to sit here on, what, October 18th and predict that OSU is going to win out the rest of the year. But I think that this is a dangerous team. I'm with you. I think Ollie has a big game. I think uh, Alex Hale has another big game. I think you could see him um, – I, I think you could see, what, at least three field goals. I, I think his name is uh, further kind of cements himself into the, the running for the Ray guy. And uh, is that – that's Lou Groza. Lou Groza, excuse Lou me. Lou Groza. Um, yeah. and, and I think that Alan Bowman well, he, continues and, and to get better. he was one of the stars of the week for the second week in a row. So you're, you're yeah. exactly right. I, I think that – I think this team – Yeah, I think this team really starts to feel itself. And I, I think you see a couple of turnovers again. The, the defense is feeling itself. And I think you can look at this, a couple of scores over the last couple of weeks with, with West Virginia and, and Oklahoma State, and, and, and I think I would feel comfortable, you know, going up 38 to 24 Oklahoma State. I, I think OSU – now, the moonshine monster is not going to be out and about on Saturday. as, as It's not going to be as prevalent. <laughs> and I think that – I think this team is really starting to feel itself, and, and I think the confidence – uh, combined with the the toughness that this team is finally starting to starting to show on both sides of the ball, I, I think it'll be a good game for Oklahoma State. Well, I thought it was interesting. West Virginia goes; they've gone for fourth down. They're eight for fifteen this year on fourth down. Well, so in six games, no, and that's fifty percent. I mean, that's that's got to no, be. No, I know that's what I'm good. saying. I you but don't, that's you don't a lot see of that. times. So you have to. I'm guessing Oklahoma State did not. Stop working on fourth down defense this no. week. I, I, yeah, I'm not talking about the the percent. That percentage is incredible. It's when you look yeah. when you look at a team and and that's the number of times they're going for it on fourth down. Like, mm-hmm. dang, yeah, it's, it's like that, Arkansas that, JV that football. Scared. No, they're going for it. So, uh, well, that's going to do it for the Pokes Report podcast. Be sure to check us out online, pokesreport.com. You can catch us at uh, all. F- well, f- our, our four. Uh, major podcast platforms, Spotify, Podbean, RSS, and Apple. And you can also uh, follow us at uh, Pokes Report on Twitter. I'm Z, uh, Z Lancaster 91 and uh, B Murphy 47. Yeah. Oh, my that's gosh. Right. And, at, you know, and you know what's kind of funny is if they are hearing you tell them how to find the podcast, they found it. 
They're smart. They're smart folks. They're, we got smart listeners. Well, that's going to do it. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time here on PokesReport.com.